just keep thinking this morning. The scripture keeps coming to my mind. The word of God. Let's bring this scripture up. The word of God is living and active. Sharper than any double-edged sword. The word of God is living and active. And sharper than any double-edged sword. And that scripture goes on and it says that it is able to, in a sense, distinguish or to cut between bone and marrow. Does that paint a, a vivid picture for you, a clear picture of what the Word of God is and what it does? Think about that. A sword, a double-edged sword, not just a swiping sword that is sharp on the curved outer edge. Okay, we've seen those swords. They're big and long, sometimes three foot long. And those are just to slash, right? And just that one. But there are swords that are sharp on both sides. And in many cases, those, those swords are straight. And they're long and they're heavy. And they wield some power and destruction behind them, in a sense. They're very powerful. And it says that the Word of God is sharper than any double-edged swords. It says that it's living. What, is, what does that mean? It's living and it's active. Friends, the church is not supposed to be solemn and quiet. And contrary to popular thought, when you get lots of people involved, church may not look the way you think it ought to look. Okay? I think church looks a lot different to, to the Lord than it, it might to us. Okay? And I think there's going to be a lot of surprises in heaven because people we think, there ain't no way they're going to heaven. The Lord says, come to me. And the Lord says, you belong to me. <laughs> Enter in to the joy of your Lord. Things look different to us, even though we are uh, Christians. Things may, we may think differently than God thinks. And in the Bible it says, my ways are higher than your ways, declares the Lord. Let's bring that scripture up. My ways are higher than your ways, thank God. Amen? Amen? declares the Lord. So as far as the heavens are above the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts, declares the Lord. So even in the midst of all of the struggles that we have in our lives that things may seem hopeless, they seem hopeless, but in God's eyes, not so much, not so much. The Bible says that the righteous will live by faith. That means that we're not focusing, we're not supposed to, focus on all the stuff that's going around us in a sense that would cause us to doubt and fear and be confused. No, the Bible says the righteous shall live by faith. That means 
that we, you and me, are supposed to live trusting God, even though we can't see what's going on. And isn't that the hardest thing to do, to trust God when you can't see what's going on, when you don't know what's happening? Are there any racing fans here? NASCAR, Brother Jeff, Ron, no kidding, Sister Joyce is a racing fan. I like it. I like it. All right. We got some others back there, racing fans. Brother uh, Bernie Helsden is a racing fan, I know, and there's some others of you here. All right. When there is, and I don't know the proper terminologies for all of these things, but there's what's called a pit crew, okay? And there are a whole bunch of people that are, their jobs are to keep that car driving and fast. Their job is to put 200 mile an hour tape on that car if that's what it's going to take to hold that thing together to get it to the finish line. All right? Now, think about this. Have you ever seen, and in me, most of us have, in NASCAR or, or some sort of race like that, there's a big crash and there's a big pile up, and the smoke is coming up, and the driver can only see what's in front of him. And so the manager, whatever his position is, of the pit crew, of the crew of this driver, this race car driver, is coaching the driver where to go. Go up high. And he goes up towards the top of the track. All right, get past the green and go down. And he's coaching. You, you wouldn't think that so much like it's in football. But he's coaching him through all the debris as much as he can to hopefully get that driver through all the mess onto where he's headed, the goal, the finish line. And our Lord and our Savior is that to us. He is whispering in our ears, Calmly, all right, I want you to go this way. I want you to go this way. And even though we're not able to see what's coming, he can see it. He knows exactly what's coming, and he is saying, you got to trust me. How hard do you think it is going a hundred and some miles an hour, and you don't know where to go to get through this monstrosity of an accident, smokes everywhere, pieces are flying everywhere, cars are, are getting spun around, and this driver's got to get through that. How hard do you think it is to depend on the coach of that crew to get him through that? That's tough. That's tough. His very life depends on it, wouldn't you say? Yeah. We got to trust him. That's not easy, friends. That's not easy. But I'll tell you what. It's necessary. It's necessary. And he can guide us. Last, the last couple of weeks here we've talked about, and, uh, about how a, a, a well-trained uh, dog can be so useful and so helpful. And the dog at the slightest command responds response. And how much God desires that we become that for him. 
Not that we are his slaves. In a sense, we are. We, we've been set free, and, and so we come back to our master because he treated us well. And he took care of us, and he provided for us, and he laid down his life for us. And so we are slaves that come back to serve the master, yes, okay? But this master has our best interests at heart. He knows what we need. And it's his desire to be able to look with his eye or to give a quiet command or to just with the slightest motion. Have us obey at the slightest command. You don't hear much about this, friends, in all of Christendom. I don't know if I've ever heard this. But God's desire is that we respond to him with obedience. Not us trying to fit God into our plans. Let's face it, we do that a lot. That's not what it's about. It's never intended to be that way. God never intended for him to fit into our plans. No. Okay? We are to fit in to God's plan. What happens if we try to put God, fit God into our calendar when he is the Lord of the calendar? We need to fit into God's calendar, wouldn't you say? We need to fit into his timeline as opposed to us putting him in a box and limiting him to such small things and putting him in our calendar. No. That's not God's intention. We need to fit ourselves into God's calendar. We need to allow him to be the driver of our lives. He needs to be in the driver's seat, friends, in the semi of your life. You follow me? The Bible says, There is a way that seems right to a man. But in the end, there is destruction. And you so we can waste in us really, we can waste our whole lives doing things our own way. And there's been songs written about it. I did it my way. We've all heard these songs. Man, that's I don't want to go that way as much as I like that song. I'm not going with you, friend. I'm going with Jesus. There's a scripture, let's pull it up. And it talks about the narrow road and the wide road. Narrow is the way that leads to life. But wide and broad is the road that leads to what? Destruction. Destruction. (laughs) And many travel that road to destruction. Many travel that. It's wide, and it's blacktop, and man, it's smooth, and you can just cruise right along. But in the end, it leads to a big cliff, and you're going over. But then there's this narrow way. It's not paved. It's dirt, and it's rocky, and it's uneven, and it's curvy, and there's stuff in the middle of your way, and you've got to kind of push through all this stuff. It's not easy, but the end of that road is life. The end of that road leads to life. Leads to life, friends. 
Have you ever seen? What about your friends that you graduated with, if you've graduated already? What about all of your friends that have graduated? Where are they? Are they choosing to follow and to travel the narrow way? Or are they traveling the wide and broad road that leads to destruction? The Bible says there are few that find that narrow road. Few find it, the Bible says. We need to travel that narrow road. We need to be always looking with our eyes to the master, the author and perfecter of our faith, so that we are always following. And when you may have had a small animal, a little kitten or a a puppy, and wherever you go, those animals are right at your heels. And there's even sayings about it, like a pup at your heels. You may have heard that say. And it's just like, you got to be careful where you're walking because that, that small, young, little baby animal is just right at your heels. If you're not careful, you might step on them. That's how close they are. Man, we need to be like that to Jesus. Friends, what would the church be? What would your life be like if you followed Christ in that manner? Like a pup at his heel like a kitten at the heels of the Savior. And you are just tenacious. You just, you're just following him around, and if he don't watch out, you're going to step right on you. No. You get the idea. You get the idea. We need to be like that. We need to walk in obedience to God. There's a scripture that says, let's pull this up, follow in step with What? The Holy Spirit. Keep in step with the Holy Spirit. Keep in step with the Holy Spirit. We may have used this example before, but have you ever walked through the mall with your wives, husbands? They got lots on their mind when they're in the mall. Me? I got one thing. Get done Get out. My wife, not so much. My wife wants to stop at this store, and she just wants to browse. Then she wants to go to this store. She wants to browse some more. Then she wants to stop at the big original cookie thing and get a big cookie and a Mountain Dew. And I'm just like, oh, I want to conquer this thing. I want to I conquer. I want to get what I got. Look, woman, here's a great deal right here. This would look beautiful on you. Buy this. Let's go. <laughs> and she's like, mm, I, I don't know. I was thinking more of this. What about something like this? And I'm like, yes, that's the one. Get that one. That would look great on you. Look at the price. That's great. Let's just uh, I don't know. Let's check the other store over here. Maybe they got a more, better selection. Okay, and when you're walking down these wide hallways, and you're you're like, okay, let's go. And Mama, she's like, mm-hmm. And she's just kind of walking around. Next thing you know, you turn around, and she's 15 paces behind you. That friends is not keeping in step. 
You see where I was going there? That is not keeping in step. We need to keep in step with the Holy Spirit. How easy it is, friends, living our lives to get distracted, wandering around, looking at so many other things when God is leading us. Do you understand? All right? We can look at these other things, but friends, our focus has to be on the Lord. We have to keep in step with him. What does that mean to keep in step? We got to stay right with him. If we don't stay right with him, we're going to get lost. We're going to get, well, left behind. We may follow after this sort of thing, okay? And the Lord is leading that way, and we're off over here. Oh, look at this. Follow the master like a pup at his heels. Ever watching his face that we may respond immediately at the slightest slightest command. We don't live like that, friends. We don't live that way. That is training, and that takes a lot of training, and it takes prayer, and it takes time. And we talked last week about the book by Brother Lawrence, Practicing the Presence of the Holy Spirit. Practicing the presence of the Holy Spirit. When I get busy about my job, and for 10 minutes, I've, my focus was not on the presence of the Lord. I have, to call, I have to literally call my focus back to the presence of God. We can live in that presence of God and take that presence of God wherever we go. On the job, to school, while we're driving, wherever, working in the yard, at the fitness center, focus on Christ. Friends, what would the world be like if Christians had that mentality? Focus on Christ. Respond at the slightest command. Things would be so different. In the church in our families, in the world. Amen? In our government. We would be saturated with people following Christ. Not on... Now, here is the thing. Oftentimes, we get sidetracked to following our own agenda. Yeah? Maybe on a board in the church, maybe at work, maybe in our families or schools, wherever the case, maybe we get sidetracked to, well, this is the way I think it ought to be. Everybody needs to come to this understanding. This is the way we need to go. And that may not be where God is leading. Are you willing to submit your will to the will of God? Are you willing to humble yourself and set aside your agenda, your will to the leading of the Holy Spirit? The Bible says in Matthew chapter 6, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you as well. 
all of these things will be added unto you as well. If you what? Seek first. Seek first the kingdom of God. Friends, what is the kingdom of God? This kind of begs this question, right? Seek first the kingdom of God is righteous and all these other things will be added unto you as well. Well, that kind of begs the question, well, what's the kingdom of God? The kingdom of God is everything that God reigns over. Yeah? Everything that he reigns over, everything that he's involved with, seek first. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Those two things go together. So we're seeking his will, we're we're walking in obedience, and we are separating ourselves from sin through the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen? And we're constantly keeping ourselves ever before the cross, recognizing our sin need, recognizing that we are a sinful people in need of the blood of Jesus to cleanse us from our sin. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you as well. You see, when we continue to seek God, seek him first, righteousness is a natural fruit product of seeking God. Amen? Think about that. Righteousness is a fruit that is to be produced by us seeking the kingdom of God. All right? When we seek God, righteousness comes. All right? And so we are to seek those things. We are to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And as we do those things, he's going to take care of the rest. Keith Green used to sing a song, He'll Take Care of the Rest. A great song. Have you ever, if, if you've never heard of Keith Green, he was a piano player, songwriter extraordinaire with a passion for Jesus. And he was back in the 70s, early 80s, and he died in a plane crash. What a man of God this guy was. He was on fire. And everybody that came near him, his passion was just so evident. If you get a chance, make some time, take some time to investigate Keith Green. This guy was on fire. He had a bounce when he was playing and a, just a, uh, a passion for Christ Jesus. And man, he loved the Lord. He went through a lot of difficult things in his life. And he died young. But he left a legacy of passion for Christ Jesus. And in his song, he said, he'll take care of the rest. And he gives different examples. Moses, when he's uh, leading the people, don't worry about it, Moses. I'll take care of this. I'll take care of the rest. Noah, when he's taking so much time building this, this ark, this big boat that's supposed to house all these animals, and he doesn't know how to do it all. He doesn't know... And he spends over 120 years building this ark. Don't worry about it, Noah. I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to take care of the rest. 
And God says that all throughout his word. He says, if you follow me, if you look to me, I'm going to take care of the rest. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you as well. You see, friends, that is not a natural response. That's not a natural human response. Our natural response is to take it all ourselves, I'm going to handle it my way, and to follow what we see. But that is the opposite of what God wants for us. The opposite is to totally give it all away, give it all away, trust God, and he's going to take care of all those details. Yeah? Well, what what does that mean? What's he going to take care of? He is going to take care of the things that concern you, the things you're worrying about, your job, your health, the health of a loved one. He's going to take care of those things that you're worrying about and you're praying about and maybe the things that are keeping you awake overnight. He's going to take care of those bills for you if you're trusting in him. Are you? So let's add all of these things up, just like a math problem, and underline it. This plus this plus this plus this equals trusting God the answers, and I'm going to take care of the rest. So are we, if we add all these things up, ask ourselves, are we seeking Christ first? We mentioned last week about the one church in Revelation that the Lord was commending. You have done this right. You hate the practices of the Nicolaitans, all those bad guys. You hate the, the way they do those things. You, you, you've, you do all these great things. He says, but there's one thing I hold against you. You have forgotten your first love. You have forgotten your first love. Friends, I fear that the church has forgotten its first love. The church has gotten lost in methodology and watered-down gospel to make it more appealing and easily, easily swallowed by those that are hearing it. That is not helping, friends. That is not helping. Now, listen, there's something to be said about being a fisher of men, okay? Jesus called the disciples and he says, come follow me and I will make you a fisher of men. So he, he wants us to be relevant to people, all right? If you have someone that works on the back of a garbage truck, okay, you're not going to talk to them in these great big terms, not that they wouldn't understand them, okay? But let's face it. Let's meet people where they are. Bible says, Paul says this, I become all things to all men that I may win some. This is Paul talking. Let's bring that scripture up. I become all things to all men that I may win some. So Paul is saying, I will set aside this and this in order that I may have a point of communication that I can 
speak to this person without causing them to be defensive so that they will absorb what I'm saying to them. Does that make sense? If we come off all holier than thou, and if we come off shoving the gospel down their throats, you're going to send them running. That's not going to (laughs) help. Okay? So what I'm saying is there is a way that we can communicate well with people by trying to find some common ground, okay? That's what I'm saying. Paul says, I become all things to all people that I may win some. All right? But here's the thing. If we uh, are not meeting on that common ground, the Bible says, let us come, let us reason together. Though your sins be as what? Scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. And so Jesus is saying, come, come to me. Let us talk together. Let's sit down. Let's have a conversation. There was a movie out some time ago. It was called, um, what was the name of that movie? The Last Samurai. Tom Cruise was in it. You may have seen that movie. And he was a high-ranking official in this uh, U.S. Army. And they were going against some of these samurai people. And he, Tom Cruise, was injured and captured. And instead of him being put in some jail and in shackles and all these things, they nursed him really back to health. They gave him good care and... and uh, the, the leader of the samurai people would sit down with him daily and just ask him questions. Do you, do you remember this? And, just, and so they would sit down daily, and at first he didn't like it. Uh, Tom Cruise, the uh, high-ranking official in that U.S. Army, did not like it and took offense at it at first. But after a while, he became to really respect this other leader. And they began to just have a, a, a friendship and a relationship. And the man just wanted to, in a sense, pick Tom's brain. I don't know what his name was in the movie. but And he just wanted to pick his brain and just to see what his thought process was. What are you thinking about this? How do you feel about this? And he's like, why are you asking me all this stuff? You know? But over time, they began to have a really good relationship. And he saw the innocence in in the uh, respect. And there was many good things in this other leader that they had been fighting against at first. And as a matter of fact, he began to follow them. All right? And so it was in these conversations that the two of them became friends. And in that same way, God wants to become your friend. Does that make sense? Why? Would the creator of the universe, who gave his only son on a cross to die as a criminal, to save us from our sin, want to have relationship with you and I? Why? We're sinful people. Why would he want that? Because, friends, he adores you, he loves you deeply. He loves you deeply. And in those conversations, God wants 
to, to draw together to you. The Bible says, draw near to God, and what? He will draw near to you. And so, so God says, come to me. <laughs> come, let us reason together. Let's talk about this. <laughs> let's sit down. Let's have a conversation. Let's talk about this stuff. Though your sins be as scarlet, red, dark red, sinful, they shall be as white as snow. The Bible says, and it's one of my favorite renderings, and I've spoken before about this, but it's notable. Jesus in this rendering, this artist rendering, is standing in this grotto, this garden of sorts, and before him is a a door, and it's got the rounded top on it, and, and Jesus is just standing at the door, knocking. And it's based off of this scripture. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. Well, what door? What door are you knocking on, Lord? I'm knocking on the door of your heart. Yes. I'm knocking on the door of your heart. And that scripture goes on to say, If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him and he with me. Now listen. This paints a picture of us sitting down together with Christ Jesus, our Lord, having a peaceful meal. And you know what? Jesus brings peace. (laughs) Jesus brings peace. And so, he says, "If if you let me in to your life, to your heart, I'll come in and we're going to sit down. We're just going to talk. We're going to have a a good, relaxing, peaceful meal together. How many of you could use some peace in your lives? Not peace as the world gives, fleeting, but peace that only God can give. In the 23rd Psalm, one of the most well-known passages of Scripture in all of the Bible. It says, You prepare a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Think about that. When you're in the presence of your enemies, I mean, you are in the fighting stance. You're ready to take on some, all right? You're ready to fight. It's not peaceful. It's war. And there's punches to be taken and dealt out. But in the 23rd Psalm, it says, You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Even in the presence of our enemies where war should be going on, he says, Come with me. (laughs) I am your good shepherd. Come with me, follow me, and we're going to sit down and we're going to have a peaceful meal together. Even though you are surrounded by enemies, I am bringing peace to you if you follow me. Friends, hear the word of the Lord today. Invite him into your life. Respond 
to him. In order for us to respond to him with the slightest command, our eyes and our ears need to be tuned in to him. <laughs> okay? Our ears need to be tuned into Jesus radio and our eyes need to be focused on him. Amen? And then when he says, Russ, do this. With a still small voice, with the slightest movement or even a look or a facial expression, Russ knows what he needs to do. Amen? Tom knows what he needs to do. Danielle knows what she needs to do. Barb knows what she needs to do. Bill knows what he needs to do. And so, with our attention focused on Christ, the slightest movement commands obedience. And God is able to work in us and through us and thank God in spite of us. Amen? Amen. I have really felt the Spirit of God speaking to us and and to me myself um, that I need to just call that focus. And that was one of the words that Brother Lawrence used in his book, Practicing the Presence of the Spirit. Uh, the Holy Spirit. Call your focus back to the Holy Spirit. Call it back. It's our choice. It's our discipline. Call our focus back to the presence of God. Would you stand with me? As we conclude this series... Let's commit ourselves. Can we do that? Let's commit ourselves to following closer, to listening more, to tuning in to Jesus Radio more often. May it be continuously. And may our focus be ever on His face. Friends, if we do these things, We're not going to be blown away or here and there by every wind of teaching or things that are contrary to the very word of God because we know. The Bible says, my sheep know my voice. They won't follow after another. Why? Because they know that it's not me. That's you he's talking about. You are his sheep. We are his sheep. (laughs) we recognize and we need to recognize his voice and follow our shepherd wouldn't you say that is what God is asking for us to do at the slightest movement I pray God I pray that you would stick that in our minds and in our hearts and our spirits that we would be moved greatly by the slightest command the slightest whisper that we would respond. Help us, Heavenly Father, to follow you, to be close at your heels like that little puppy or kitten would do. Forgive us for not being attentive to, to you and so attentive to things that really don't matter. Forgive us, Lord. May we from here on in 
dedicate, commit ourselves to you and follow you ever so closely. And as we seek you first in our lives, that you would help us to trust you and that as we seek first the kingdom of God and your righteousness, as your word says, that you would add these other things unto us as well. That you would take care of those things. Those things, As we take care, Lord, as a pastor told me one time, if you take care of God's things, he will take care of your things. I firmly believe that. Forgive us, Lord. Help us, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.